welcome to Easy, Easy Bake, Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. We are going to do Die Hard, which is with our theme. Technically a Christmas movie. This is definitely a Christmas movie. It's too obvious. It's too much in the theme of the movie that it's Christmas Eve. What is he doing? Saving Christmas. His first kill, he dresses him up as Santa Claus. Don't tell me this isn't. Don't tell me this isn't a Christmas movie. Yeah. It is. Yeah. We are a little late in the year. We are. For Christmas. And we acknowledge that. I just want to say. Yes. Die Hard. Mm -hmm. Made in 1988. It's rated R. It's two hour and 12 minutes. Plot, if you don't already know. Just go watch the movie. One thing, I know I always say, like, if you don't know it at this point, come on. But, like, yeah, I didn't watch it until a few years ago. I had no idea what actually happened in this movie. So I, I get it. Yeah, same. I didn't watch it until I was in college. So Same. I watched it in film school. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And my parents are huge fans. So same. I, I guess it's because it was rated R and they're like, oh. I guess it just never came up until, like, later in life. They're like, oh, you never seen that? Okay, yeah, we'll watch it. My mom took me to see, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, so I don't think it was that. You always, you always bring that one because up. Because why the fuck would you through. take a child to see that? <laughs> and they wonder why I'm bi. That's the gay agenda. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Anyway, back to Die Hard. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, it's our first episode back from the holidays. <laughs> so the plot of Die Hard. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just can't get that out of it. Kevin James and Adam Sandler for the gay agenda. I'm sorry. <laughs> so funny. Sorry. You guys, we're all over the place. You're going to have to bear with us. Yeah, just, just hang in there. Because I know I'm going to feel the same way when I'm editing, so it's probably all going to be in there. <laughs> all right. The plot of Die Hard. On Christmas Eve, New York City Police Department, Detective John McLean arrives in, in Los Angeles, hoping to reconcile with his estranged wife, Holly, at a party held by her employer, the Nakatomi Corporation. He is driven to Nakatomi Plaza by a limo driver, Argyle, who offers to wait for McLean in the garage. While McLean changes clothes, the tower is seized by German radical Hans Gruber and his heavily armed team, including Carl and Theo. I just think of so much of the Bob's Burgers episode. I was literally, when you said Nakatomi, I was going, Nakatomi, Nakatomi. <laughs> it's so good. If you haven't, okay, if you haven't seen that, go yeah. watch that, the Bob's Burgers episode. The Always Sunny, the gay gets held hostage. Yes. And the Bob's Burgers musicals. Fantastic. Everyone in the tower is taken hostage, except for McLean, who slips away, and Argyle, who remains oblivious to events. Gruber is posing as a terrorist to steal the $640 million in untraceable bearer bonds in the building's vault. He kills executive Joseph Takagi after failing to extract the access code from him and tasks Theo with breaking into the vault. The terrorists are alerted to McLean's presence, and one of them, Tony, is sent after him. McLean kills Tony and takes his weapon and radio, which he uses to contact the skeptical Los Angeles Police Department, Sergeant Al Powell, is sent to investigate. Meanwhile, McLean kills more terrorists and recovers their bag of C4 and detonators. Having found nothing amiss, Powell is about to leave until McLean drops a terrorist corpse onto his car. After Powell calls for backup, a SWAT team attempts to storm the building, but is assaulted by the terrorists. McLean throws some C4 down, an elevator shaft, causing an explosion that kills some of the terrorists and ends the assault. Holly's co-worker, Harry Ellis, attempts to negotiate on Gruber's behalf, but when McLean refuses to surrender, Gruber kills Ellis. 
While checking the explosive on the roof, Gruber encounters McLean and pretends to be an escaped hostage. McLean gives Gruber a gun. Gruber attempts to shoot McLean, but finds the weapon is unloaded and is saved only by the intervention of other terrorists. McLean escapes but is injured by shattered glass and loses the detonators. Outside, the FBI agents take control. They order the power to be shut off, which, as Gruber had anticipated, disables the final vault lock so his team can collect the bonds. The FBI agrees to Gruber's demand for a helicopter, intending to send gunship helicopters to eliminate the group. McLean realizes Gruber plans to blow the roof to kill the hostages and fake his team's deaths. Carl, enraged by the death of his brother Tony, attacks McLean and is seemingly killed. Gruber sees a news report by Richard Thornburg on McLean's children and deduces that he is Holly's husband. The hostages are taken to the roof while Gruber keeps Holly with him. McLean drives the hostages from the roof just before Gruber detonates it and destroys the approaching FBI helicopters. Meanwhile, Theo retrieves an escape vehicle from the parking garage but is knocked out by Argyle, who has been following the events on his car radio. A wary and battered McLean finds Holly with Gruber and his remaining henchmen. McLean surrenders to Gruber and is about to be shot, but grabs his concealed service pistol taped to his back and uses his last two bullets to wound Gruber and kill his accomplice. Gruber crashes through a window but grabs onto Holly's wristwatch and makes a last-ditch attempt to kill the pair before McLean uncollapses the watch and Gruber falls to his death. Outside, Carl ambushes McLean and Holly but is shot dead by Powell. Holly punches Thornburg when he attempts to interview McLean before Argyle crashes through the parking garage door in the limo and drives McLean and Holly away together. <laughs> That was the plot. I don't like action movies, and I especially usually don't like 80s action movies, but this is one of the greats for a reason. Definitely. Director John McTiernan, writers Roderick Thorpe, based on the novel by him. And then we have Jeb Stort and Stephen E. D. Zuza, who wrote the screenplay. Cast, Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, Reginald Bell Johnson, Deborah White, William Atherton, Hart Faulkner, James Shigeta, Alan Rickman, and Alexander Godunov. I include the tagline. This one kind of sucks. I was going to say, like, for this movie, I was expecting way more of a tagline. <laughs> it says, it will blow you through the back wall of the theater. I mean, true. There's a lot of splodes. Yeah, but it's not, it's not clever. No. It's not a pun. It's not... It's no live hard or die trying, girl. It, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It, that's more of a tagline than anything. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I think it's work hard or die trying, girl. Yeah. So for trivia, the fictional Nakatomi Plaza is the headquarters of 20th Century Studios, so the studio could use one of its own buildings and didn't have to hold back on stunts and action sequences. Could we break this window? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is, it's really interesting because like people were working in the... The building when they were shooting. That's funny. While Jeb Stewart was writing the screenplay, he did a tour of the building and immediately incorporated some of the locations and objects he found there into a script as set pieces, such as the cart that McLean and Carl end up riding during their fight. The company charged itself rent for the use of the then unfinished building. Some of the middle floors were occupied by legal and administrative departments. So only empty floors were used for the filming. Still, the filming of scenes that involved gunfire had to be postponed until after hours because some of the employees from the active floors started to complain about the noise. I'm trying to do our accounting here. Can we hold off? And like, I'm sure they were like, oh, it's that stupid movie they're trying to make up there, you know? <laughs> In an article for the 30th anniversary of the film, Bonnie Bedelia stated that the first thing she thinks of when someone mentions the movie is Alan Rickman. Aww. The two became friends and had lunch together every day while shooting the movie. She expressed how lovely and gentle Rickman was in real life. Oh, good cry. I love him. I know. 
2007, Bruce Willis donated John McClane's undershirt to the Smithsonian Museum. Thank God. It deserved yeah, to be. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I do want to go to the Smithsonian, though. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff there. Yeah, just because of Night at the Museum, too. Yeah, that too. You're going to hide and wait till. <laughs> wait Jonah till. Hill's going to tell me not to touch anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good. I remember seeing that on TikTok. Okay, we need to do Night at the Museum soon. Yeah, we should. I think that'd be fun. The scene where Bruce Willis and Al Rickman meet up was unrehearsed to create a greater feeling of spontaneity, right? Spontaneity. Spontaneity. That's not, a, that cannot be a word. It, it, As the it, first I've ever heard of this word. It is a word. Spontaneity. 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 You say it right? You're adding another itty in there. Spontaneity. Spontaneity. Close enough. I've never seen that word. Like, spontaneous. Yeah. That's a word. This word? Spontaneity is like the essence of being spontaneous. I've never seen it. I've never seen this word. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Feeling a spontaneity between the two actors. Clip that together. Yeah. I'll fix that somehow. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Oh, so the film was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2017 for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I love how they're like, it could be any of those. Yeah. So just put them all. I think that's just like the reason they add movies in there. Mm -hmm. This movie is culturally significant and it is aesthetically significant. It is. It, it, I think it was historic in some ways. You know, the 80s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the 80s was historic. A lot of shit was happening. Yeah. The scene where McLean falls down a shaft was a mistake by the stuntman who was supposed to grab the first vent as it originally was planned. He slipped and continued to fall, but the shot was used anyway. It was edited together with one where McLean grabs the next vent down as he falls. So you know that scene where he like, yeah. misses it and your heart like jumps, you know? Yeah. The guy actually missed. That's cool. It was pretty cool. So I really like that, that they were like, hey, that could be a really good like scare. Yeah. A lot of things were just, they just fell into place and they're just kind of weirdly perfectly worked. This movie, I don't know if it's in here or not, but like so many things were improv because of how much the screenplay was being changed during the movie so a lot of this movie is on accident yeah all the other characters besides bruce willis's character had to be fleshed out more because like he was filming another movie at the time he was exhausted yeah and so wasn't able to film as often to me that's like that adds to the movie because like i like all the characters in this movie because they're more fleshed out so it's like one of those accident things that made the movie better there was something they didn't plan yeah I'm sure they were so stressed about everything during the filming, but it must have been so satisfying to see how perfectly everything ended up. Exactly, yeah. Hart Bachner's line, Hans, Bubby, <laughs> was ad-libbed. Alan Rickman's quizzical reaction was genuine. <laughs> Alan Rickman nearly passed up the role of Hans Gruber, which ended up being his first film role. He had only arrived in Hollywood two days earlier and was appalled by the idea of his first role being the villain in an action film. To a degree, Rickman was right to be concerned considering his performance as Hans Gruber was so hailed that the actor had to struggle being typecast as a player of villains for much of his career. Severus Snape. He's a villain in um, Love Actually. People hate him in that movie. He's awful in Love Actually. I don't want to watch it because of that. I, lo I, I love him and I don't want to hate him. Oh yeah, spe speaking of which, we're doing rom-coms next. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> 
When John McClane runs through the glass shards in his bare feet after Hans has his men shoot out the glass partitions in the computer room, Bruce Willis is wearing special rubber shoes designed to look like his own bare feet. One can see this if looking closely at his feet appear quite unnaturally large in some of these crucial barefoot scenes. <laughs> um, I just think that's really funny. It reminds me of The Hobbit. Yeah. Or it reminds me of The Hobbits in Lord of the Rings. I could see that. Oh, this is my favorite. I saw it on TikTok. I might have sent it to you. <laughs> but you know that scene where Hans Gruber drops from the building and dies at the very end. They told him that they were going to drop him on the count of three, but they didn't. They count him on the drop of one. So his reaction, that face he makes as he's falling, is genuine because he was not ready for it. Everybody knows that, like most of the time, when people are like, "Okay, we're going to count to three, they're not going to do it on. They're not going to do it on three. They never do it on three, but it's still going to get you every time." Yeah, it's like getting a shot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to do it. Burp. And you're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no, no." <laughs> It's so funny, though. It is great. Half of this movie, too, was not only improv, but also different techniques on how to get a genuine reaction from Alan Rickman. Yeah. It's very funny. Half this movie was just trying to just to get a genuine reaction from Alan Rickman. He was a stage actor before, right? Mm-hmm. The people who wrote the movie went and saw him in one play. He was playing a villain, and they were like, oh, he'd be perfect for Hans Gruber in this movie. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I understand that he was like, I really, I don't want to break into this industry like this, but... Mm-hmm. Hey. You did great, Alan. You did, you did great. great. We all love you. Mm-hmm. We all love you. Tears. I know. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. Don't pick up movies where people have died in real life. How dare you? I know. It's <laughs> sad. Okay. Thoughts and opinions. You want to go first? I don't have much to say about this movie. I just love it. It's goofy. It's fun. It's got like everything it needs to be like a great action movie. If you don't like action movies, this one's great. Like you have to watch it. I hate action movies. I love this movie. That's pretty much the, yeah. gist, the gist of it for me. I get that. What about you? I love this movie. I only saw it just a few years ago. Yeah. Yes. Is it a copaganda movie? Absolutely. 100%. Oh, yeah. So is SVU. But I love that. Yes, exactly. But it's still really fucking good. So just try to forget. <laughs> In the realm of copaganda, it's kind of like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's it's not so egregious that you like feel icky, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched it in film class. I don't know why I watched this movie in film school, but I remember coming home the Christmas break after taking that class and, like, watching Die Hard with my family. There's definitely something to learn from this, absolutely. I can understand. And also, I like how it was conveniently during Christmas break, so you would have to watch it during... So, that was good. Well, I didn't... I watched it at school, but I liked it so much that I... Oh, okay. Like, my mom's boyfriend loves this movie, and my mom loves it, and, like, my sister hadn't seen it, so I was like, we should watch Die Hard. I don't know if there's a dude that doesn't like this movie. It's like the Saving Private Ryan of 80s action movies. Yeah. Every dude loves this movie. Yeah. Well, there's one other thing. Also, after seeing that Bob's Burgers episode, I was like, I, mm-hmm. I want to watch the actual... Like, if Bob's Burgers loves this movie, I want to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever seen any of the sequels to this movie? Uh, I saw the second one. It's not anywhere nearly as good. And yeah. it also takes place in an airport, which is... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Didn't, is uh, it... <laughs> didn't um, age great. Yeah, I don't think it's one people bring up too much. Yeah. Well, what's fucked up about the second one, it's way darker than the first one because, like, there's actually, like, a plane actually crashes at the airport. Like, there's a big plot where, like, 80 people die on the plane or something. Like, Ooh. it's nuts. Like, the movie goes way darker in the second one. Way darker. Yeah. I understand now why we watched Die Hard because we also watched Terminator 2 in film school just for the first uses of CGI. 
kind of thing. Yes. I remember someone bringing up Terminator 2 yeah. as well. Which was, it's just like, you went to film school and they showed you Terminator 2. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a terrible movie. It's just not what people think of when they think of film school. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't know what was influential. You don't know what was yeah. ahead of its time. You don't know what was yeah. the first of its kind for whatever technical yeah for whatever mm-hmm. so this movie i don't think people would peg as a movie that they would show you in film school or talk about in film school but mm-hmm. it's like it is there's always something to talk about do you have anything else you want to say about it yes there's a handful of things in this movie where i can't not say when mm-hmm. watching it so when he gets a hold of i don't know he gets on like a dispatch or something it's not a 911 call but it is on the line and they're like telling him to get off the line he's like i'm trying to get help and they're like mm, you need to hang up call 911 he's like um does it sound like i'm ordering a fucking pizza lady <laughs> so that would never happen if someone were asking for help over the line like getting in contact they would definitely like where's your location we'll send someone out to help you yeah and then when the cops do get out there and then they turn around that would never happen because like hans gruber told them to like oh everything's fine nothing's wrong here yeah. and they turn around that would never happen yeah that's something that i always laugh at as about the movie because like that would never happen that would never happen yeah and then I think that's it for right now. Yeah. So any, anything else? I think I'm good for now. All right. So we'll move on to critic reviews. Written literally a few weeks ago. It was December 24th. Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, 2022. David Hogan, five out of five stars. It was the night before Christmas and all throughout the house, not a creature was stirring except terrorists taking over Nakatomi Plaza, naturally. (laughs) Yes, although I didn't manage to look at all five films and the three games I wanted to over Christmas, I still wanted to cover the original and its sequel, at least given their setting, getting to the others next year. So let's start, unsurprisingly, with the first one. Die Hard is one of those classics that deserve every bit of praise that has come its way, both for being a great film itself and for how much it influenced pop culture in the years since. This is what impressed most people at the time. Bruce Willis McLean is extremely vulnerable vulnerable. Sure, he gets some great one-liners and has some rather incredible set pieces, but he also takes damage, especially to his feet, thanks to be barefoot the whole time. He fails to stop the terrorist plans a few times and is clearly the half of his relationship that was in the wrong, all but admitting he stayed in New York because he didn't think Holly would be able to stick it. It's such a great performance, full of humor, charm, and toughness that it's no wonder it launched Will's career out of TV land. I do remember why we watched this movie a little more. I remember my professor talking about how he's not your typical like big Stallone or Schwarzenegger he's almost your everyman but with like a little more knowledge than your everyman kind of hero that makes sense though as for the terrorist well, Alan Rickman's Hong Gruber is nearly just as iconic and is similarly dripping with charisma and wit while also being clearly evil. His negotiations with Joseph Taagi over the code to the Nakatomi vault that ends with him putting a bullet in his brain is a classic moment, but perhaps not as much as his interactions with McLean. Speaking of a vault, the whole terrorist taking over the building to free their, quote, an- anarchist freedom fighting fighter brothers, end quote, in countries around the world is in reality a front because they're manipulating the U.S. law enforcement enforcements by the book method of dealing with terrorists to cut the power to the building and give them access to a small fortune. A small fortune? <laughs> this is like $640 million. <laughs> I love that. It would be easy to make this a country versus country, terrorist versus government story, but instead the terrorists are using their cliche to their advantage. It's a fun twist. That's true. Yeah. 
I never thought of it that way. Then we get the side characters. Reginald Vell Johnson plays Al Poe, a local LPD sergeant. They bond over the radio during the film, including Powell revealing that he took a desk job because he accidentally shot a kid and couldn't bring himself to point his gun again. We also have Argyle, who is McLean's limo driver that parks in the parking lot in case he doesn't get on with Holly ends up trapped down there. And Richard Thornburg, who is a complete bastard news reporter who basically makes everything a hundred times worse throughout the film for the quote-unquote hero characters. I hate that guy so much. He's awful. Yes, that's fair. Sadly, beyond Carl, Han second in command, the rest of the terrorists are all pretty forgettable. All around, though, it's a great cast, but the film is rooted in the Willis-Rickman dynamic that works so well. To say Die Hard still holds up is an understatement. It hits all the right notes for a fun action film, charismatic protagonists and antagonists, great action set pieces, well-paced, and a top-class finale. It's no wonder so many other films and TV series continue to do a Die Hard. It's still hard to top. That's true. Mm -hmm. It's another uh, one of those lightning-in-a-bottle movies. Yeah, honestly. For this one, before we move on, it's very true. Like, there's Die Hard so culturally known. You know that saying, like, oh, it's like Die Hard, but in blank location, you know? Yeah. I think I, I remember it also being related to, like, Indiana Jones a little bit with, like, the type of hero that he is. Oh, yeah. It was an important era because it was the transition to, like, the, the big hulking tough man hero. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to a negative review from Roger Ebert. He wrote this in 1988. He gave it only two out of five stars. So we quote, the idea has a certain allure to it. Cop is trapped inside a high rise with a team of desperate terrorists. He is all that stands between them and their hostages. Give the terrorist leader brains and a personality, make one of the hostages the estranged wife of the cop, and we got a movie. I feel like it's a little more than that, but okay. <laughs> a little bit more than that, but like it's a it's a good start. Okay, okay. The name of the movie is Die Hard, and it stars Bruce Willis in another one of those Hollywood action roles where the hero's shirt is ripped off in the first reel, so you can see how much time he has been spending at the gym. Sex sells, baby. Sex sells. Exactly. And it's what you were saying, too, was that era where huge bulking action heroes in these movies. Yeah. But, like, it's not even that bad if you look at it compared to those. Yeah. But sex sells, baby. Sex sells. Sex sells. <laughs> On a technical level, there's a lot to be said for Die Hard. It's when we get to some of the unnecessary adornments of the script that the movie shoots itself in the foot. Willis remains in constant radio contact with a police officer on the ground who tries to keep his morale up. But then the filmmakers introduce a gratuitous and unnecessary additional character, the deputy police chief, who doubts that the guy on the other end of the radio is really a New York cop at all. As nearly as I can tell, the deputy chief is in the movie for only one purpose, to be consistently wrong at every step of the way and to provide a phony counterpoint to Will's progress. The character is so wiffily useless, so dumb, so much a product of the idiot plot syndrome that all by himself he successfully undermines the last half of the movie. Thrillers like this need to be well-oiled machines with not a single wasted moment. Inappropriate and wrong-headed interruptions reveal the fragile nature of the plot and prevent it from working. Without the deputy chief and all he represents, since Die Hard would have been a more than passable thriller. With him, it's a mess, and that's a shame, because the film does contain superior special effects, impressive stunt work, and good performances, especially by Rickman as the terrorist. Here's a suggestion for thrill makers. You can't go wrong if all the characters in your movie are at least as intelligent as most of the characters in your audience. It was just the one character? Very interesting that he, of all things to say about this movie, that was his one thing that completely, like, bumped this movie to two stars. Like, and I was saying this earlier, like I think the point of that char character is yeah it's a plot device like he's gonna slow down he's not gonna be yeah. helpful to McLean he's gonna slow down what could fix everything yeah I just don't understand how that could bump it down three stars 
I don't understand that either. One character, he mentions nothing else. That is so odd to me. Yeah. It's not even something that I would have even guessed could be wrong. Yeah. I would have never thought like this is the reason for the downfall of the movie. This character right here. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Not one of my, his most oppressive reviews for me. Yeah. The Mazzy twins who we bring up often. Yes. And they always seem to come up when we do 80s movies. They always come up. So the Mazzy twins wrote, whether it's the first of its kind or simply the best, Die Hard turned Willis into an instant screen hero and punched several lasting staples into the genre, even though the early 80s already contributed instrumentally in shaping the principles of future action projects. And the flawed lead character acting courageously, particularly when it goes against natural survival instincts, as well as the right guy in the wrong place concept, are sharply implemented. Adding further to the setups are the cryptic motives of the villains, the deception playing a vital role in the takeover, despite expected interference and acknowledgement from the authorities. Just as Gruber never knows what McLean will do next, the antagonist's preparations for law enforcement and their handling of hostage scenarios and ultimate escape strategy remain a mystery, forcing the detective to piece the clues together as he dispatches thugs, and the audience is very much along for the ride. A refreshing dose of cynical humor, mostly through snappy one-liners and Gruber's surprising formidability and adaptability, inserts itself between gunshots and bloody violence. With such a clever juxtaposition of wit and fiery explosions, oftentimes an adrenaline rush seeks directly into a hearty laugh. Buildings erupt, helicopters crash, and police cars become Swiss cheese, all with Academy Award-nominated visual and sound effects and editing. There's also an obvious bitterness toward ineffective law enforcement hierarchy and the press, commenting simultaneously on the incompetency of federal organizations and the harmful interference and manipulation of the media. Interesting thoughts to be inserted in this kind of film. The protagonist is an anti-hero of sorts as he defies orders and, in true vigilante fashion, disposes of the gunmen in a manner befitting the title. However, through his talks with ally Sergeant Al Powell, viewers are introduced to a man with a very relatable life. McLean is also smart, inventive, and quick on his feet, even when the floors are covered with glass, and suffers physical damage during the ordeals, quite unlike many of the competing action roles of the time. Mm -hmm. In many ways, he's moderately realistic instead of bombastically larger than life. Of course, action heroes can exist without villains, and one of the finest bad guy performances ever to grace the screen emerges Alan Rickman's ingenious portrayal of Hans Gruber. He's suave, sophisticated, cracks jokes, quotes literature, and can even sport an American accent when it suits him. As much as McLean toys with the terrorists, Gruber jibes back, creating a devious contest of repartees and wills. High-octane showdowns, quotable catchphrases, and an enthralling basis for claustrophobic adventure easily allow Die Hard to reach the upper echelons of hard-hitting entertainment. As one of the most influential actioners of all time, spawning a lucrative blockbuster series, it also serves as a bible of sorts for every subsequent explosion-filled epic, and it's also a surprisingly appropriate Christmas or anti-Christmas look at the holidays. 10 out of 10 stars. <laughs> they really love this movie. Yeah. It's very poetic. It is. It is. I really like this movie. And I think they, they point out the some really accurate things about it, too. I agree with everything they said. Yeah. I think they put it very, very well why this is a 10 out of 10 movie. I totally understand and I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. No notes. <laughs> Any comments? No, they pretty much said everything. They honestly did, yeah. So I'll move on to audience reviews. We have a 10 out of 10 stars. Not only the best 
of the Die Hard franchise, but one of the best movies of the action genre. That's the title. <laughs> it was written in 2010. Even if the non-action parts are a tad slow in comparison, that is more than compensated by so many things that makes Die Hard so brilliant. For one thing, the action is explosive and consistently exciting, and the cinematography is astounding, being very inventive and colorful. John McTiernan, The Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, he directs briskly and efficiently, and the pacing a vast majority of the time is exhilarating. Then there is a terrific score by Michael Carnan, some intelligent and witty scripting, and a plot that doesn't feel forced or convoluted, not to mention some excellent acting. As good as Bruce Willis is, yes, his character is somewhat two-dimensional, but he is also resourceful and world-weary, and Willis handles this really well. It is Alan Rickman who steals the acting honors as Hans Gruber. Gruber is cold, calculating, suave, and menacing. In my opinion, only Rickman can do justice to such a character. Mm -hmm. Overall, a superb movie, not only the best of the Die Hard franchise, but one of the best of the action genre. 10 out of 10. I agree. Well put. Very good. I've never seen other any other movies that John McTiernan has made, personally, but... I haven't either. This is one of those movies, and we've done this before with other movies, where, like, people will be absolutely shitting, and this person wasn't, but people will be absolutely shitting on the movie, but they they will always go, but this person did awesome, yeah. like, for every single one of them. Like, Alan Rickman is that in this movie. Yeah. Whether you hate it or not, he's going to be your favorite part. He elevated the movie. He definitely elevated the movie. Now moving on to the one stars. <sighs> I knew this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. They're fun, though. There's some fun ones in here. So we have a one out of 10 stars. This was written in 2020. The title is not a Christmas movie at all. Awful. This is so fucking funny. A friend of mine recently added on Facebook, it's not Christmas until you've seen Die Hard. Having never seen it, I decided to give it a watch with Xmas with X watch it this Xmas period. Was very disappointed in the acting and storyline. Having now seen it, I categorically categorically confirmed that this is in no way a Christmas movie whatsoever and I've since removed him as a friend on Facebook for being so stupid and thinking that it is. Wow yeah he's the stupid one. Mm-hmm. I think that's hilarious. That is so traumatic. It's so dramatic. I want to know if they know this person in real life because there's Facebook friends so you have no bearing if they actually know each other or not. Exactly yeah. It, so, it, that's so funny. It's just how do you how can you say in no way is this a christmas movie when it literally takes place on fucking christmas eve and he saves christmas what else do you need christmas is this movie the people who say this isn't a christmas movie there's no there's no argument there's no amount of logic you could throw at them yeah to defend this movie that is chris that it is a christmas movie that they'll understand once this person has this statement there's no way of you can't change their mind then because they're too stubborn they're not going to change their mind i understand that i love this one because it a friendship failed because yeah. of this movie. you know what we can't be facebook friends anymore a facebook friend failed listen i understand to a degree you know protect your peace dude whatever <laughs> <laughs> so this next one four stars from letterbox and it says who would win 12 nasty terrorists versus one barefoot boy <laughs> the barefoot boy <laughs> barefoot boy <laughs> this next one's from imdb it's one out of ten stars utter tosh British. I think this person's a British person. Immediately invalid. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not, it doesn't count. <laughs> this was in 2019. I know everyone seems to like this film, but I struggled to sit through it. It was just one long series of gunshots and explosions with reality taking a backseat throughout. The plot was just an excuse to justify the violence, which was the film's main driver. 
if you like mindless shootouts and unbelievable action, you'll like this. If you don't, you won't. I don't. I love that last bit. I, I don't. don't. You won't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> My one thing with this is this is like one of the action movies that isn't just that. What action movies do you like? Yeah. What do you, which action movies do you think are not just gunshots and explosions? Because this one definitely, definitely has them, but it also has so much more than that. Yeah, other stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. You might assume, oh, it's just like splodies and pew-pews the whole time. He's trying to save his marriage. He's trying to save Christmas. He's trying to be a better dad. He's trying to be a better husband. He's not trying, but he ends up being... There's other characters. Yeah, there's other characters with shit going on. Mm-hmm. This is four stars from Letterboxd. It says, this movie really made me think a lot about how movies really shouldn't have to make you think a lot. This is one of those that proves you really don't have to say shit to make an entertaining film. The editing, camera work, performances, and direction are all on the same page with what they wanted this movie to be. Nice way to start the day. Merry Christmas. No heart. True. I like that. I like this one because it's a good example of like, you don't, yeah, you don't yeah. have to think hard. Yes, it is more than just gunshots and explosions. Yeah. It's also not that, that much more. Yeah, yeah. It's not too much more. Yeah. I like what this person had to say. Mm-hmm. I do too. And I like that they mentioned that every element of this movie was on the same page. They all knew what kind of movie they were making and it worked. Yeah, exactly. This person did back to back different mm-hmm. days in 2020. Four and a half stars on Letterboxd, possibly the longest shoe commercial in history. But they came back Christmas on 2020. There's no way that this isn't Quentin Tarantino's favorite Christmas movie. I could see that. This next one is from IMDb. It's two out of 10 stars. No redeeming values. That's the title. It written in 2006. This film was almost everything that I despise. I do like the action, explosions, and Alan Rickman since he stars as Severus Snape in the seven Harry Potter flicks. Rickman is excellent at playing the bad guy. Bruce Willis thinks he is so cool, however, <laughs> but nothing but a fool. So the two stars are for Rickman and the action. Subtraction of eight stars is for the ballooning votes that this movie has been given, the violence, the nudity. There's only one scene where, like, you see some boobs. It's like for two seconds. It's not that much. The vulgarity, Bruce Willis, the mindless acting of the majority, the length of the film, and finally not giving Rickman more lines. Yeah, it's fair. Yes, it's a slight obsession with Rickman as it seems, but I had to think of eight reasons and ran out of ideas. So if you like <sighs> or love three this- stars then. <laughs> yeah. So if you like or love this imbecilic claptrap, you will most likely disagree with me and judge your conclusions while forming stereotypes. I don't blame you. I only wish Hollywood wouldn't contribute to the degenerating of our civilization where people don't care about humans they don't know uh, Dude, you're taking it way too seriously way too seriously yeah this person's got issues because mm-hmm. i got something against bruce willis and like again it was like that thing i said like they could hate this movie but they'll they'll always say alan rickman's good and i get it at least they liked him there's a divide of people who saw him in this first and of people who saw him in harry potter first yes but they both love him so yeah they both love him so this next one has no stars. I forgot how many times in this movie you see a guy at the end of his rope shout fuck at somebody hard enough to knock them over. Funny every time. Sorry for watching this on Christmas. I know that's annoying, but then again, all those annoying dorks with Reddit brain talking about this being a Christmas movie are what reminded me to watch it. So who's to say? Who's to say anything? Language is fake. True. <laughs> true bestie. So true. It's so true. He is right. There are very annoying people about it. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems like he is on the side of it being one for watching it on christmas so yeah cool with it yeah that's the whole thing mm-hmm. i feel like you have to fight harder to say it, it's not a christmas thing. at this point yeah this is a one out of ten from imdb boring topped with an illogical cop from 2020 
It is such a terribly boring movie. I will never understand how this is a highly regarded film, especially when the script, direction, and acting is so illogical. John McClane has got to be the most stupid cop around. His actions are illogical and downright stupid. He shouts when he should be quiet. He holds when he should shoot to kill. He talks loudly when he isn't even sure if, if the bad guys are searching for him. His wife, who is one of the hostages, proudly exposes his identity twice to her colleagues. The FBI are a bunch of jokers suitable to act in Home Alone movies as dumb villains. <laughs> Bruce Willis, handsome as he is, <laughs> handsome as he is, the movie gives the hero look far too often, making it look stupid. I couldn't bring myself to finish watching this idiotic movie. To all those who think this is a piece of art, I sympathize with you. Don't worry, there are people who think Twilight series is genius too. I know, You're I know. Fucker. It's 2020. We're still shitting on Twilight? Yeah. How old are you, first off? Twilight is in now. Yeah. You're out of the loop if you're shitting on it. It's all the rage. Yeah, like the FBI are being a little bit of jokers in this. Oh, yeah. There's not, there's plenty of dumb characters or dumb decisions made in this movie. I get it. It's not that bad. I also, like, don't think this movie is trying to say that everybody's on their game today. Yeah. I, I don't think every hero has to be the smartest guy in the room. And that's what a lot of people liked about this movie. He isn't the smartest guy in the room. He's vulnerable. He makes dumb decisions. He's He messes up. Yeah. Two out of ten stars from IMDb. It says, good, 2021. This movie was very good, but I got dip on my pants. I'm going to watch it again without snacks. <laughs> He wrote the title was good, but he gave it two out of ten stars. Did you not read the part about the dip? Come on. <laughs> he got dip on his pants. I, okay. I understand. Maybe it was a bad experience. Okay. I hope they rewatched it. Yeah. I hope they changed their mind. The sex is from Letterbox. Four and a half stars. John McClane be walking around the Na Nakatomi Plaza barefoot like it's a fucking Quentin Tarantino fantasy. Oh, oh yeah. So that's why people like, okay. I, was, I thought it was, I thought it was because it was splody, but now I understand it's because he's, yes, he's barefoot it's the, the whole time. Fetish thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you, I thought you I didn't knew. connect those dots right away. I should have put this one at the top No, it's first. okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I get I it know. That's why people like keep making it. that joke. I get yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> i didn't know you didn't know that's so funny we're all on the same page now yeah we're all on the same page you know there's probably somebody out there listening who didn't connect that dot either so yeah. that's i'm here for the people you know say what you need to tell yourself <laughs> so this next one's one out of ten stars from imdb title is overrated interminable and has not aged well it's written in 2021 boring interminable and more talk than action i remember enjoying this film when i first saw it as a teenager but it has not aged well the beginning is too slow, and it takes too long for anything exciting to get started. Whenever there is any action, there are too many interruptions that were probably meant to be funny, but are just annoying, unnecessary, and interrupt the flow of the action. The action is mostly guns, explosions, and destruction, typical of big-budget Hollywood action movies of that era. As someone who has gotten used to the faster-paced Hong Kong action films of the 90s, which had silly plots, but at least had non-stop action and incredible fight choreography and stunts that you didn't see in Hollywood movies at the time, this one was simply somniferous for me. Not even Alan Rickman could save this movie for me, but at least he made a good villain, so I gave this one star. Again, someone who hated it was like, I'll give it one star for Alan Rickman. Fair, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> somniferous just means tending to induce sleep. So they just, it's just boring. This is such a pretentious, you know, I got into the Hong Kong movies of the 90s, so. You wouldn't really get it. It's uh, it's pretty niche. You wouldn't get it because you like Hollywood action films, so you wouldn't really get into what I'm into. It's pretty niche. I bet you don't even know what somniferous means. <laughs> and, I and I didn't, didn't. and I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We had no idea what that word meant. But that doesn't mean you have to use it. That does it. Exactly. Sometimes I'm mad that they're teaching me new words. 
I know. I could have gone my whole life. I was hoping he was wrong. Yeah. I was hoping that was a made up word or he was using it wrong. I liked this movie when I was a teenager, but I've really outgrown it. Like, shut up. What are you, 20? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. This person's obnoxious. Yeah. So this is three and a half stars. Alan Rickman doing an American accent is one of the most disorienting things I've ever heard. It is. Mm -hmm. It's not bad, but it sounds weird. Yeah. But it doesn't sound right, you know? It's like hearing Christian Bale talk in his actual accent. Yes. It throws you off so hard. You're like, he's so good at an American accent. Yes. I forget he's not American all the time. Good for you. That's what I just think of every time I think of him now. That was so good. Thank you. I agree. It's disorienting. It is. And it's just odd hearing it because I, I was literally like saying that listening to it. I was like, yeah, it's, it's American, but it's, I don't know. It just sounds weird when he does it. Yeah. All right, this next one is five stars from Letterboxd. I don't particularly care to have the Christmas debate that surrounds John McTerran's Die Hard. I just know I watch it at this time every year. Call me strange, but John McClane running around with a bloody vest and no shoes is a defining image of Christmas for me. A down-to-earth hero, an intensely charismatic villain, a loving walkie-talkie bromance, and iconic set pieces make the perfect cocktail for a seasonal action spectacular. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's perfect. That's mm -hmm. a perfect way to say, or like kind of just like put the debate away yeah i don't care what you think to me this is christmas exactly perfect because i also don't i don't feel like having the argument i just yell he saves christmas and then i'm done with the debate exactly and that's how you know you don't have to say much in order to be to win the argument yeah what do you even say to that to defend your side i don't even know what your point would be you just don't want to admit that it's a christmas movie yeah you're in denial. So you'll make up any little random thing you can for the argument's sake. Mm -hmm. All I have to say is he says Christmas. It's Christmas themed. It's on Christmas. Done. What are you going to say? No. How am I wrong? You're going to sit here? You're going to tell me that I'm wrong? <laughs> Look at which of these, bro. <laughs> it's Grow so up. good. Grow up. <laughs> All right. So this next one's our last one. 10 out of 10 stars, iconic action, ran in 2021. The ultimate combination of action, crime, and Christmas. Die Hard is timeless in its appeal. Willis is the perfect casting in his most iconic role of McLean, with Rickman, the faultless foil, and the equally iconic Gruber. Not only is the action explosive and pulsating, but the wider cast of character characters also get some form of art fleshing them out. Dialogue, dialogue is great, even if the German may be a bit off, and the setting never tires despite being restricted within the single building. Big budget, all-out action, and perfect one-liners, all in one festive present. So they brought up some things that I agree with. Wider cast of characters getting some form of arc kind of reminds me of like Jaws, where they had more time to work on other things. Mm -hmm. I love a movie that is in one location. I've said that many times. Can be in one location, is interesting, can keep your attention throughout the whole thing, and this movie does exactly that. I can't really see how you could despise it mm -hmm. i could see how like maybe it's not your thing yeah especially if action movies aren't your thing then yeah, yeah. i totally understand them but like neither of us like action movies and we like this one so like i don't know yeah i'm not a huge fan of the action genre they're fine to me action movies are very in the middle for me this one though i love i love this movie this is a great movie i think i like this movie because of what they said like there's life in it the characters have are fleshed out yeah what would you rate it I'd give this movie a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 for me too. The Christmas debate be damned. Just watch it. Yeah, no kidding. It is a timeless movie. I watched it in like 2018. It's a good movie. Definitely. Any final thoughts? I think we said it all. Yeah. 
If you don't like it, I highly suggest you message us and tell us why. Yeah, I want to hear why. Message us on our Instagram at Easy Bake Takes, and you could give us your feedback or any critiques or tell us if you hate Die Hard and why. The why is very important. Why is very important. You will be grilled. You will be messaged back. Yes, you will be messaged back by me. <laughs> and if you don't think it's a Christmas movie, I want to hear your argument as well, please. Yeah. But we also have a TikTok at Easy Bake Takes. We have our website with all the transcripts and review overviews. That is Easy Bake takes podcast.com we also post our review over reviews on letterbox at easy big takes and don't forget to share this podcast with somebody who you know that loves movies don't forget to review our podcast or leave a rating of us wherever you listen and follow us because it really helps us out a lot and thank you so much for listening my name is kat and i'm riley this has been easy big takes easy watching out there bye bye